case article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. So he bet the man needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Om Arvin. And today we're going to talk about Real Madrid's 3-0 victory over Athletic Bilbao. We're recording a day after the match. Usually we do it right after so we can get the podcast out by the evening or by the next morning. It's a little different today because we have someone else on the show. No, it's not Grant. Obviously, Yash is still with us. It's with a very special guest. Uh, Use this with the Isla who appeared on the podcast last year. She was a Real Madrid fan. She has her own thing with Mente and Blanco. This is a different Isa. Sports Athletic Bilbao, expert just in general on Spanish women's football, super fan for Athletic, knows everything there is to know about the team, basically, which is obviously why we have her on. Something we were asked about beforehand in so-called council meetings with patrons was, can you get more guests on Las Blancas Pod to talk about other teams so people can learn about it? So we're doing that now. We have Isa on, who very graciously has agreed to do this. Remember, English is her second language. Be confidently, I don't think there will be any issues, but there might be some understandings of certain terms and stuff like that. We'll clear it up. Just go easy on her, but she should be fantastic. Isa, how are you doing? Hi, well, I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. It's great you agreed to come on. Yash was the one who convinced you. I don't know how much convincing you needed, but Yash, how are you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm good too and pretty happy that she is on here. Uh, she's a proper expert at athletic club and women's football in general. I speak a lot to her in, in general as well, like about women's football. She's very insightful. So yeah, really looking forward to discussing this game with her. And we'll have her Twitter account and all of that in the, in the show notes if you want to find her afterwards, which you should if you're interested in women's football in Spain. So, all right, let's get started. Usually do with the lineups. I think the interesting thing, well, I think there were two main interesting things about the lineup, but the first one for me in terms of Real Madrid, Yash, was that Sandy Toledi is out injured, right? We saw what happened in the match versus Rosenborg. She needed to be subbed off at halftime. To too many people's surprise, she ends up, being in the squad for the match versus Athletic. And so then the question was, who would come in to replace her? You and I both talked about how we wouldn't be surprised if it was Freya Siri who ended up being there, just because I think Torel might have seen Toledi's absence in more of a defensive sense. And lo and behold, Freya enters the lineup in a midfield with Zornoza and Weir. And then the other one was that Esther was dropped. It's not been her greatest start to the season. And Naikari who, as everyone would know if you're following the team, because everyone's so happy about it, she looks like she's coming back. And so she was brought into the lineup, and we'll talk about her performance as well. So, Yash, what did you think about the inclusion of those two? And then maybe any other thoughts you have on the lineup? 
Yeah, Freya's inclusion wasn't really surprising per se because uh, as you, as we spoke about, Toletti was out with injury. So it made sense that she would come in over, uh, I don't know, Teresa maybe. I would have preferred Teresa, but it's fine. Uh, Freya added that uh, the thinking behind his was probably the uh, defensive solidity that Freya would add. But the most surprising was uh, to see Naikari up front. Uh, I don't think it's uh, like it's it's really good to see that she is being given uh, chances to now start the game because she has had uh, she hasn't had that consistent minutes, but she has uh, delivered this season and has looked sharp. So it's nice to see her being rewarded with that and uh, in turn like paying that trust back with with a goal. So yeah, I mean I was pretty happy with the with the lineup in general. Uh, no real complaints. Olga being back uh, fit uh, definitely helps us a lot and gives us two really good wing options in Olga and Athena. So yeah, uh, no real complaints about the lineup. Isa, what did you think about Athletics lineup? I know there was an injury on the left wing and all of that. So can you talk about that and just what your feelings were when you saw the eleven? How did you think Athletic were going to fare in the game? Okay, so when I saw the lineup, it made total sense for me because we were like playing in the wings uh, to players that can play right back and left back. So it makes sense that San Real Madrid plays a lot of in the wings to have uh, that kind of support. So it makes sense that Eunate and Alex Fru were starting in the wing up top and then the two fullbacks were starting well in their positions uh, that makes sense it also we played with Afcona up top who is also a, a player that is really fast so my general consensus in the lineup was uh, to think that we wanted to to catch Real Madrid on the break and have a lot of uh, speedy and strong also strong players uh, when then the defense it's basic, basically our only defense now because uh, the other players are either injured or coming back from injury. So, yeah, that. A couple questions. One is you told me before the match that Amizaga got injured. How important of a loss would you say that was for Athletic? She's 17. Uh, she started the first match against Sporting Huelva and scored on the first minute. And then against Levante, she played like 25 minutes. Uh, it's not like she's extremely uh, important on the team because she's basically new. She made her debut this year. But uh, we don't really have that many left-wingers now. She was in, uh, We lost the chance to have her. So we basically played a left-back in left-wing because he, we didn't really have a left-winger. Uh, we have Paula Aran as well, but she's not that fast. Uh, Amethaga is faster, so we I think we lost specifically uh, in specifically uh, her speed, you know, because I think that uh, the key for us to hurt you was speed, and we don't really have that many uh, speedy players, so losing her was uh, bad. Final question I have is about the exclusion of Peke Barea. Did you, I mean, you, you already kind of said you were happy about the lineup, but was that surprising to you or was that something you expected? 
no, it wasn't really a surprise uh, because Peke is a really good player, but when you don't have the ball, she is not really that useful. You need to have her a lot on the ball to to make things happen for the team. So uh, it made sense that uh, it was uh, Yulema who played because Yulema is, uh, can play better without the ball. Uh, but anyway, Peke did end up coming in quite, I mean, I think it was during halftime that she came in, so played quite a bit well. Let's get into actually what happened in the match, right? And how we saw the opening minutes and what it was defined by. I think based on some of the opening minutes, people, if if that's all you saw, you would be surprised to learn from my perspective, at least, that it was kind of a comfortable victory for Real Madrid. And there are large stretches of this match where nothing was really happening in terms of goal mouth action specifically, because I thought Athletic started quite well. I mean, within the opening minutes, you have. It was a little bit messy, but something akin to Athletic's classic fast wing combinations to break through pressure, played someone in behind, they were offside, and then soon after, they, they, they're higher up the pitch, they play another wing combination, and it looks like they're about to get an amazing shot on goal, and then Sveva has to make this amazing recovery to deny that. And I would say throughout the first 15, 20 minutes or so, Athletic Bilbao's press on goal kicks was quite intense, right? Clearly trying to disrupt us coming out. I mean, I think that could just be a thing that Athletic just decided to do. It's not like they've never done that before, but it also coincided with the theme that Real Madrid weirdly have had, have had some strange struggles building out from the back to start the season in terms of lapses in concentration, you know, stupid errors and stuff like that. And so I think the beginning of the match was a little bit unsettled compared to how the rest of the game turned out. I mean, Real Madrid created some early chances as well. Naitari in particular was the one who got two of them in the box. I mean, first one was almost right off the bat. Athenea puts a ball in and she, you know, puts a tough volley off target. But I, I think the balance of play seemed okay for Athletic or maybe a little in their favor in the opening minutes. And been a surprise to then see or to then know that Real Madrid really kind of grew out of that and didn't see most of those troubles for the rest of the game. So, Yash, how did you see the opening minutes, in particular, um, Athletics press and and some of the errors that we were making? Yeah, I mean, my perception of the opening minutes was a bit different because, uh, first of all, the player that stood out to me the most uh, in the opening minutes was Neria Navarro. I mean, she is pretty popular, I, I think, among the community as well. She's really skillful. So the way she was able to like uh, weave through pressure and like just the press resistance of her throughout the game was pretty good. I, I felt like she really stood out uh, in the game. But uh, my initial impression in the opening two minutes was when uh, when the goalkeeper, Queen Ones, made a mistake. It, it was at that moment I felt like this game will be decided by mistakes and it happened so. Because those mistakes were like, those were unforced errors, sort of like there was no pressure, but it was just like poor passes from the back. I mean, one can probably make an argument that there was sun in the eye or whatever, but I felt like those were genuine mistakes. And yeah, I mean, in the initial minutes, uh, Athletic Club really looked uh, really, really good. I, I felt like the way they were able to progress the ball into the final third with, with just simple passes that went 
from out uh, from near the touch line to inside and then just over the top they were able to exploit us a lot they were able to ta target that side of kathleen towards the right and were able to exploit that space a lot with nerea navardo and yunate uh, so it was it was nice to see them uh, that but i just based on those opening moments i felt like uh, this game would be decided by uh, some potential mistake individual error uh, and i would like to know what isa thought of that We'll hand it right off to Isa, respond to anything Yash said, and then if you could also add what you thought that Athletic were trying to do tactically, strategically, and how you thought it worked in the opening minutes. Uh, well, I think we were we entered the game really well, like better than Real Madrid. We stepped up more confidently, but then there was some chaotic moments. In, in defense, uh, when they just couldn't clear the ball. I mean, they they were really brave trying to build up from the back, but when, uh, when you make one mistake, it's okay. But then you make two, three mistakes, and the the rival don't punish you, then I think it's time to not try again that mistake. And I feel like when Quinones uh, made the bad pass that, ended up at Real Madrid's first goal, we were in the best moment of the match. Like we were playing really good and we were starting to to go on the attack as well, which doesn't hadn't wasn't happening a lot before. So I, I think that that really threw us off the mistake and the goal. And then later the, the team kinda went down a bit. I mean, not much. I, I don't feel like we played a third goal match or anything. So, nil three victory for Real Madrid for me is not what the match said. We weren't that bad and, they, and Real Madrid weren't that good, but we helped them quite a bit with two individual mistakes that led to two goals. So, and when, well, then about what you said, that what I thought. Uh, the plan was, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I was very nervous to, during the match and I haven't rewatched it yet. I didn't have the time, so I didn't focus on the on the details. But I, I felt like we were trying to uh, build from the uh, left flank, like with Eunate and Nerea a lot, because they were a few sequences in which they sent the ball to Eunate to, to the wing in, in long ball. And I feel like the idea was to uh, work from the wings a lot and stuff like that. And not find the midfield because, I mean, I think the players in midfield barely touched the ball. I think that was... Uh, the thing that punished us the most, because if you didn't use your midfield, then your attack loses quality. You you mentioned you were trying to build from the left, and that is uh, right, because a lot of the attacks went down the left and targeted uh, that side with uh, Kathleen and Kenty. Uh, so uh, I, I wanted to ask about BB a bit, because you see, you, you're using uh, her as a centre-back there, and she had her pocket picked like just before the goal, uh, there was a moment uh, that was another individual mistake. So do you think these individual mistakes were like, are they a part of their package or like do these players regularly make, uh, do they have these mistakes in them or 
was it just the occasion or just this game uh, well they do have to tend to make a few mistakes here and there like both our center backs but i i don't think is them being unreliable per se it's more like we have a defense that is not used to play together you know um Bibi and Valdezate have barely played together. I think they played like one match uh, for the B team together and Valdezate was playing uh, center back and Bibi was playing left back, if I, rec- if I recall correctly. And then uh, Nerea Nevado and Bibi also have played more for the B team together, but also Nerea used to play in midfield and Bibi in left back. So the the thing is that the pressure that Real Madrid was doing was very intense, very high, and they are not used to playing together. So sometimes they uh, overlap and and make a few mistakes. I I think that in Bibi's case specifically, I think it's more that she doesn't really know the team well because this is her first season with the first team. She had to step up because Garasi got injured, so it's a hard task for her as well. Uh, she she does have a few mistakes in the build-up. Yes, this is more common. She has gotten better with, with the ball at her feet. I have to say she's a bit worse. But I think she, she, she is a reliable player in general. Yeah, that answers it. I think the team likes the synergy at the moment and that really showed in some of the moments we had in the first half. So let's just get to the goal itself because we've been talking about it, hinting at it for a while. And it comes from the mistakes that you two were discussing. Quinones ill-advised pass straight to Caroline Weir and Weir is able to drive with the ball, play it back inside. And Naikari is there for the easy, easy finish to the delight of absolutely everyone. Excusable of an error. It's just kind of one that the coach looks at. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do about that. But I, I do want to say that I think the press in that occasion was pretty solid in the sense that we were just doing the things that you do when it's two forward pressers versus a back to a goalkeeper and, and a pivot behind you, which is Naikari was um, cutting off the, uh, the option to, to the wide center back on the left. Weir was shadowing the, the option directly to the, the central pivot and leaving the, the far side option open, right? Ushering saying that if we're going to give you anything, we're going to give you the wide option, we'll, we'll push you there. That allows us to recover and the team is able to reorganize into shape. And in this instance, it's a very difficult pass to the center, but Quinones just needs to, she just needs to play it out wide to the easy option to the center back. It's not going to do much to break through Real Madrid, but that's the only sensible option here. And I think she just miscalculates about her ability to thread that pass while Weir was still maybe far away and closing in. And if she was going to do it, the pace on the ball, all of it wasn't good enough. And it was maybe a bit harsh on Athletic at that point for them to go down in that way. But I think this was maybe kind of the turning point in the game because I'd been mentioning up until that point turnovers and such. I'm, I'm surprised Yash didn't mention it, but Sousa had some pretty poor giveaways. That's been a running theme over the last couple of games now that we just kind of want to keep track of. I mean, I'd love to say that 
it's just a thing that happens, right? That maybe you can say in this, that you guys were debating whether it's a thing that happens or there are errors in some of the players in athletics back line. And with some of these with Sousa, they look so random and she has quality going forward on the ball that you can feel tempted to say it's just happened, but it's not like it wasn't on the scouting report and we didn't talk about this signed her right pretty much as in so we'll, we'll just see how it goes but I think she's in a little bit of a tough period at the moment terms of like I guess we can just talk about the rest of the second half as a whole obviously there's still another goal that we need to get to but I, I think things flip here not in the sense I think nothing in this game flips to the point where you think oh my god Real Madrid destroying athletic Bilbao I mean the shot count ends up being pretty low in total especially for a 3-0 win we, we had 12 shots, five on target. Athletic had eight, two on target. That doesn't scream 3-0 scoreline domination. And as, as both of you were kind of hinting at, and I think Isa was saying the scoreline was a little unfair on, on Athletic, I don't think it was that type of victory. And I, I don't think that's why you take positives from it. The way I take positives from it, and something I really like specifically because of the way the context in which Real Madrid played in the past, is the way in which... Is, is almost because very little happened. There weren't that many shots. And we, we were able at this point and, and from there on until the very end of the game, able to control it in a way that I found very pleasing. And I'll talk more about that. But how did you kind of see the period after the goal going to the, to the end of the second half? And would you agree that at that point on, it, it, you were impressed with the way Real Madrid were kind of able to control things? there was a period in the second half where you saw more of that um, than maybe in this, this, this area, but did you start to see it then or would you say that it came much later? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we have been discussing about uh, our game management is the way we sometimes lose control of the game and are not able to manage the game well when we are uh, in the lead. We are not able to keep the ball uh, for a longer uh, spell of possession and that wasn't the case this time. We were like, yeah, this game was good in the way because we didn't let a lot of things happen in the second half. And that has been one of the major complaints that we have had because we let the momentum swing a lot in the second half. And that hasn't resulted in us getting punished so far, but may result as, uh, may result in that. So it was nice to see the way we were able to keep possession. And uh, yeah, I mean, the goal, first goal was was an error. Then the second one was like the quality of wear and Athenea that we have been seeing for a while now this season, like they, those two have just really, uh, are just shouldering the attack at the moment. They are able to create magic moments on a consistent basis now, which is really nice to see, uh, the way they are linking up. And because if you, if you note, uh, for the second goal, we're who is playing as the number 10 in this game, she moves towards the left half space. Then we have Athena who has drifted all the way towards the left-hand side and she uh, wear demands for the ball in the left-half space and then sets up Athena to get the shot off and that was a brilliant uh, shot towards the near post. Kinyanas uh, couldn't get down but it was a really good shot, difficult to save, uh, hit very well. So, And then we are 2-0 up. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a complete dominant performance that, that Isa has mentioned as well and you have mentioned as well. It was just that we we were able to control the game a lot better. And that especially, I think, came about after our first set of subs, which uh, which we will talk about, I think. But uh, bringing on Maite was 
I think uh, that really helped us to like control the game because Maite was able to help us sustain pressure, uh, sustain possession for a longer period of time. She was able to help us circulate the ball really well. So that was really nice to see. About Kathleen, like I was going to mention that because there were a couple of moments that uh, really stood out. But I think that's the part of her package. We both know that very well now. While her long-range passing ability and her line-breaking passing forward is good, there are genuine moments of concern where she, like there, there were moments where she wasn't aware she was being closed down and she turned uh, into an obstacle where with the opponents were pressuring her. And I think like we haven't been tested that much, but the moment we do, we do face like quality forwards. These mistakes will result in probably goals in the end. And I think that needs to be addressed. She went off in the second half with some sort of uh, small knock, I think. Yeah, sure. she, she tweeted about how it wasn't much and she'd be okay. But yeah, she yeah. went off. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, like, Overall, she may be a net positive with her passing, but so far, uh, like I've mentioned, there are instances where like she makes one mistake that directly results in a goal scoring opportunity. And then those mistakes start to cascade and just occur at a much higher frequency. And I'm worried about that when we like face a really threatening attack or a really threatening winger that uh, is able to engage and attack both our back and the right center back but we'll see about that uh, for the moment her passing is is a net positive in a lot of occasions she is able to find the vertical options really well so yeah i mean it is what it is i guess yeah so a, a thing for me that i seeing in terms of because obviously we we had our struggles versus the press and then they kind of dissipated and we entered into a rhythm where Real Madrid were mostly in, in control, and we'll, we'll explain how that enhanced in the second half, although Yash kind of already got to it in terms of talking about Maite. I just think that, and, and I think I'll, I'll transition to Iska and, and see what she thinks about this, but I just felt like after the first couple lines of pressure were beaten and Athletic were pushed back into more of like, let's say, a mid-block stance, but no longer while they're pressing, it just felt like they had a tough time kind of maintaining the aces between the, the defensive line and the midfield, right? I thought, I thought they became too big, right? And there was trouble with the central midfielders in terms of, all right, well, do we step up? How are we going to challenge Freya deep? Zornoza's position is ambiguous as usual. I mean, right, again, it's, it's another one of those, is it a 4-2-3-1? Is it a 4-3-3? Because Zornoza keeps moving up and down in such a way that sometimes it becomes a double pivot. Sometimes she becomes an interior. Obviously, we're... I think this game more than probably any other was floating absolutely all over the place. And I think that dynamic in midfield, the kind of fluidity of it just made it difficult for Athletic to keep the lines very compact. And I think you could start to tell that there were, there were plenty of spaces for, for players to receive in the pockets. This that we, we haven't talked about it at all is I think Olga's ball progression in terms of her carrying was really, really good. And some of the most dangerous moments we created on the left early on came from Olga. So I think you put those things together. And I think that's kind of the reason for why Real Madrid were kind of able to ease into more control to end, end the first half. Obviously, the psychological effect of the goal helps go on to like turn that into crazy, crazy amounts of chances. But I think that comes back to the point we're making in terms of the maturity of when do you go, when not to go. 
and just recognizing when to manage the game. Instead, you're away from home against that a team that is superb in offensive transition, that their specialty is offensive transition. That's something the coach has done really well with the team. They have players who can do it. Maybe calm the game down and not have a track meet, which is maybe the first time I've seen Real Madrid do it like this in I don't know how long, which is why to me it's more significant, whereas it might just seem like a normal performance to anyone. So Isa, feel about things after the goal or, or kind of the second period of that first half, did you see some of those issues with Athletic Bilbao or did you feel that you were mostly handling it well and too much to worry about, really? Uh, well, uh, in the first half, I think that in general, uh, the team made some really great things, like some pressures were really good. And then when Real Madrid were able to beat the pressure, then we have a, a few more troubles because we were playing only with uh, two midfielders. So uh, when Mariana tends to step up to try and recover the ball a lot, so when she did that and she didn't recover it, then there was a lot of space behind her back because, uh, I mean, there was only Marta Unzue there, so that made it like more difficult. So yes, we did have some troubles with that because uh, also the, the defense was kind, kind of uncoordinated at times. So yes, I agree there were a lot of spaces between the lines and we struggled with that. In some moments, I feel like they did good with it in, an, in some other moments of the match. Uh, then uh, about the second half of the match, what you guys have said about uh, Real Madrid taking control. Yes, I do agree with that quite a lot. It was like really frustrating for me to watch because we wanted to to keep up the energy, turn up the energy of the match and try to go forward. I mean, they tried it a lot and yes, and but they just couldn't because Real Madrid didn't let them. Like they were doing it really good, um, keeping the ball, uh, being calm under pressure and things like that. Just I feel like the second half was really good in that point from from Real Madrid. I have to say I did like what we did in some moments. I'm only taking the positives here. So yeah, uh, but it's really remarkable that we couldn't take a shot on goal until like I think it was during the. 85 minutes or something like that. So yes, I was really impressed with the way how Real Madrid managed to control the match, and I was frustrated too because I really wanted us to to do better in in that sense. Isa, just to pop it back to you real quick, how did you feel about the goal? Because I just think, like it to me, it just felt like it was a little bit of a letdown. Obviously, the quality of the players involved, and you can talk about Altania as well because. Listeners might know, not know, but she's your baby as well. But like, it just felt like there's just too much space there. Could have done better in that situation. And it felt like it was kind of a sign of how the match had turned a little bit in terms of Real Madrid always being able to find the player on the ball and always move forward. But what did you think about the defending on that goal? Uh, I felt like they could have made it harder for her to shot. There wasn't a defender on her. I think that it wasn't really a, a threatening a threatening position to take a shot, really. But I, I would have liked that someone stepped 
to help and and don't let her shut that easily. But if I have to be honest, I felt like Quinones uh, totally gets it wrong. Like she could have saved that. It wasn't that hard. Uh, the shot wasn't that hard in the sense that it wasn't strong, strongly hit. It was just uh, well, well put, like in the left corner. It was well directed, but it was not strongly hit. So I really don't understand what she tried to do because she tried to to shape it with her feet. It makes no sense to me. I felt like she, if she had uh, throw herself a feet at it with her with her, I mean with her hands, she would have had a, a chance to to stop it. I really think it it didn't look to me like that much of a threatening shot in paper. I think what happened there is Atenea just sold that she was going far post and put it near. I mean, it's like Isco do that a million times and Atenea seems to have developed at least this season a specialty for going near post. I mean, that would be my main explanation for it because what happens is it looks like she's wrong-footed, which is why she doesn't get any power in her dive going the other way and just stretches her leg out. Um, Whether if that explanation absolves her blame or not, I don't know, but I think that's probably what explains the fact that she didn't dive that way. Anything else to say about the first half? I mean, this would be the time if you wanted to jump in with anything before we move on. Um, Yash always has something to say. No, I think we have covered it mostly. I mean, the only notes that I have uh, about... It says, no, here's like the 10 notes that I have afterwards anyway. No, my notes only talk about uh, the mistakes at the back, and we have already like mentioned it, so it's not uh, worth keeping going back to that. So, yeah. so second half, and um, I mean, this is why I thought it was interesting to uh, Peke Barea in the beginning, because she ends up coming on at halftime. I mean, that was the main switch. She comes on for Ulema. We talked about it. Isa, in terms of why she wasn't selected, etc. 2-0 down now. Would you say it's fair to say that Iraya just said, we need more offense, uh, so let me put her on? And then how do you think Barea performed in the uh, second half? Or Peke, I should say. I don't think... Uh, I mean, if the chance was uh, position, position for position, it wasn't getting more uh, offensive numbers. It was just switch, switching Yulema with Peke. And it's. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Yulema uh, has just recovered from injury. Like, this was her first match late uh, since she recovered from the injury that she sustained, like, in precision, I think, like, in the third week of precision. So... Precision. So she's been out for a while. So she started because she's very important for the team. But I think she wasn't ready to play the night minutes. So Iraya thought that Peke could bring more. And I felt like Peke did great. Like we didn't really have a lot of players that stood out individually in this match. But I, I think Peke did re- really well. At least she tried a lot of things and made uh, made us um, like she connected more the midfield with the attack in some times and some of the passes she attempted were really good. I think two or three of them were um, stopped by Ivana 
she did really great there, I think. She, it was Ivana. Uh, because if, if the passes had gone through, we could have uh, a clear, clear chance to win goal. So I was quite happy with Peke's performance in general. So I think there's a large period here in the second half, mainly until the, the end of the game, where this is where you see Real Madrid peak in terms of their control of the match. And this is where, if you were to go through the shot count and like the dangerous moments, if you're tracking that and box entries and stuff like that, there's not that much necessarily going on. But I just never felt that for any extended period of time until the very end that we were under threat, right? I just felt very comfortable that I could just sit back and be like, wow, this is nice. And that was due to the substitutions. So Toril kind of takes the opportunity. Well, I mean, the other, the one time I guess we would have been a little was like when Nisa came way out in the 54th minute. Uh, she got the ball, but I forgot who it was, but she just clattered into the player and just clotheslined her and got a yellow card. And I mean, like, look, if, if you have someone that's that aggressive coming off their line, that's going to happen. And so here's a time where Misa ended up getting the yellow card. But other than that, I, I mean, there wasn't necessarily that much that was like getting me off my seat, you know, biting my nails um, from, from the Madrid fans' perspective. But yeah, I mean, Toril kind of looked at this and, and I don't know whether he wanted to change something of the dynamic or it was just like, this is an excellent opportunity to rotate in a game that maybe I didn't think I could do that early. Obviously, we talked about how the Sousa one was kind of forced. So she came off for Rossi on the 64, 61st minute, but Olga also comes off for Maite in the 61st minute. Could be that Olga has only come back into the team recently, but she was playing really well. People were surprised to see her come off. She was one of the best players we had in terms of ball progression in the first half. I would argue she was our most differential player in terms of progressing the ball, in terms of breaking lines and all of that. Um, so she came off for Maite, and Maite just played on the left, right? So, and there's always like when Maite is playing on the wing under Toril, like, we don't know what we're going to get. Is Maite going to interpret the position as, uh, as, as, as if she's supposed to play as a strict winger, or is she going to do what Weir does and say, eh, I don't really care. I'm just going to do whatever I want, which is actually the positive thing that we want from someone like that playing on the wing. And to be fair, most of the times we send Maite on the, on the wing is on the right. And that's when it's not really worked out. We have seen Maite on the left before, and I actually didn't dislike it. And so she comes on in on the left here and comes inside, plays as another attacking midfielder, basically. And we get another look at what that weird Maite dynamic was to have, again, that 2-2 structure in midfield. And I just think it made it even tougher on Athletic, right? Because if their problem is Real Madrid are able to, to control the ball quite easily, find spaces between the lines, always be able to access either side. It only gets tougher for you when Maite comes on and now you have an extra option overloading, you know, the, the two central midfielders that Athletic have. And it just made life easier on us. So I don't know how exactly Toril intended it, whether he wanted it like this, but it just turned out to be a very good sub despite Olga having played really well because it just gave us even more control. And when you're 2-0 up, there's not that sense of, oh, we need to accelerate play, always be getting forward at pace, which is what Olga was doing and what she's really, really good at doing. So I thought that was, was quite a positive substitution and it was, it was a good Maite performance overall. And I think it was a much better show of what Maite and Weir can give you together than the Rosenborg game where 
for reasons we discussed in that podcast, it got blown up quite quickly. So there were multiple other substitutions. In fact, there were athletic substitutions as well. So Sara Ortega coming on for Alex Puru. I don't know if I said that right, um, but that was a sub. And then obviously uh, there was only one sub. I was mixing up the Beke sub. So what did you think about that, that substitution, Isa? Alex Puru was actually making her first team debut. So it was a, a hard match for her. So it made sense like to take her out. I think it was during the 70, uh, 62 minutes or something like that. It's the 60th minute, Ortega, yeah. Sara played uh, uh, half an hour. She's another player that's really young, like she's 17 as well. Uh, she, she, so uh, she's been playing with the team this, uh, just this year, just like Ameta, like I said before. So Sara Ortega is the other player. Sara Ortega and Ameta, they are uh, both our wingers for the future. Uh, like something like that. One plays on the left, the other plays on the right. They are different players. I felt like Sara Ortega did well, did some things well, but she she also uh, struggled a lot against against Svaba. You could see that, like Svaba is much taller and stronger than her, and she was struggling with that in some in some moments, even getting frustrated frustrated i think that's normal after age but i did like when when she could uh, uh, play the like the cross when she could cross the ball like one or two times she did that i think she did really well and also she also had the clearest chance of the game i really loved when she it was when i don't remember who crossed the ball but she had it and it went straight to misa and misa uh, blocked it so I really liked uh, that move from her, from the right to to the center to to head the ball. That that was really good. In general, I think it was a positive performance. If you if you think uh, about all the of all the variants that she's really young and and hasn't uh, adjusted to the team that well, I think she 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 played fairly well. Last thing at least for now, is what did you think about Maite? I mean, Maite, obviously, an ex-athletic club player. You love her a lot. What did you think about her performance? Well, Maite is one, well, my favorite player ever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. She's my favorite ever. So I, I've, I've seen her play since she was 16, 17. I, I've actually seen her play on left wing before in athletic in the first year. At the first team, she played in both wings a bit. And I really, I also agree when you said that you like her on the left wing. I also like liked her in the left wing when she played for us on the left wing. And I think she played a brilliant match. She's just a very intelligent player. She, she knows when to keep the ball, uh, when to try to make the pass, when to go for more. Like uh, uh, she made a few through balls that were quite good and could have caused us more trouble, but we defended that well as well. So that's one point for us, I think. No, but uh, I think Maite is a brilliant player. I personally like her more on midfield than on the wing, even if I do like her on the left wing, not on the right wing. In the right wing, I don't really like her, but her performance overall uh, was really good. Uh, she was 
who basically uh, destroyed our last hope. Like when when we started to do better because Paul Arana came in and we were looking better on attack, but then Maite came in and absolutely destroyed that. So uh, I feel like it was a great performance from her. I might be biased, yes, but that. I think we're all biased to my day here, so that that's not a problem. Or maybe it is, but I don't know. I think most people will agree that she played really well. It seems like Caroline Weir agrees as well. If you go look at her social media, it's pretty amazing, like how little time it takes for someone to play with my day and be like, all right, this player is a genius. Give her a ten-year contract as. Cardona said, if I'm remembering correctly. All right, Yash, let's bring you back into this. So 65th minute, Esther gets subbed on for Naikari, the latter of whom we've not talked about much because, you know, we're trying to keep it balanced between Athletic Real Madrid, but let's give her her moment. I thought it wasn't just the case of, oh, Naikari just got her goal, you know, cool. Um, you know, there were some matches like last season where it was like, oh, she got her goal. Let's just hope the confidence is up. She looked very confident throughout this entire game. She looked purposeful. I think typical like in-possession stuff where she's not an overwhelming presence in terms of collecting the ball, but she was an additional additional overload between the lines at her best in terms of crisp, quick, simple link-up play, and then getting simple goals and, 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 you know, chances on the box in the other end. Right. I think the thing with Naikari is like, if you actually go and look at a lot of her highlights beforehand in terms of the goal she scored, it's not ultra spect- spectacular, right? A lot of it is taking advantage of mistakes in the box, getting on the end of easy chances. That's her game, right? Movement, subtlety, efficiency. I kind of feel like that sums up what her performance was versus athletic. What did you think about it? Yeah, my first thought is like, Naikari loves to play against the athletic club for some reason. Like she, she just scores against them. I don't know. She has a habit of scoring against them. I, I think uh, most athletic club fans probably hate her for that reason. But yeah, I mean, this season so far, she has looked really sharp. And that has been a really big positive for us moving forwards as well. Because now we have a genuine option. Uh, even if we like uh, decide to go with Esther uh, starting. Uh, like moving forwards uh, we genuinely have an option who can like change the dynamic of the game and today she did that right from the start so it was really nice to see and like you mentioned her link up play was really good like she wasn't she wasn't static she was consistently moving making herself available in the uh, in between the lines she was dropping off and then just laying off just playing a, a small layoff and then making that run in behind she was she, she seemed really active and it feels like she is in a very good place right now, which is really good for Real Madrid, uh, to be very honest, because you need now with Naikari in this sort of form and Esther, if she picks up her form, we have two quite different strikers who we can utilize based on game state and based on opponents as well to like provide us a different kind of threat. Because if you have Naikari, you are allowed to, like it allows you the freedom to have more sort of a playmaker in behind her to like just ex- uh, make use of the those sort of smart movements that she makes in behind uh, just playing off the last uh, shoulder of the defender and just being aware she's really good with her movement so that gives you that freedom and when you have Esther you uh, you can set up differently you can have your white players attack the box you can probably have Feller who can make those central 
uh, runs from outside. So it gives you a lot of option and that is what really, uh, you know, it, it really helps the team uh, solve different sort of in-game situations. And that is what we need. We need different solutions for different games. And these players are very much capable of providing it. I was, I was really happy with uh, the way Naikari performed. And to be honest, like I, I knew she was going to score against Athletic Look. Like it, it's just, uh, it's just her thing. I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty happy with her goal and really happy with her performance. From there, we have a bunch of other subs after that that I think are not super consequential. A couple from Athletic side, and then a couple from ours. Feller comes in for Atenea, Atenea, who is brilliant once again. And um, if you want to hear like more specifically about Athenea and her progression and stuff like that, you should listen to the last podcast where we covered that quite a bit. Um, and then Tere comes on for Freya, and I think Freya, once again, just she did her job. And, um, you know, there wasn't too much to worry about her. And I think maybe the, the one thing about this game that was a bit weird was like it was all controlled until like the 85th minute or something. Athletic get this chance. I mean, a couple of big chances here and not sure like all of a sudden something, you know, crazy is going on. Misa is forced into a big save and it's like, all right, well, there's a push here that Athletic are giving it one last go to see if this match can become complicated, but they're not able to convert on those chances. And then it kind of goes the other way. And you have Feller who's able to kind of thread a ball into that might they just a brilliant first time pass. I mean, Athletic are in transition of sorts at this point. So there's this big gap in the defense and might they just first time is a ball between the gap and Weir is able to get on the score sheet once again because why not? And maybe this is where it feels a little misleading in the sense that even though it was a big chance, it felt more like a 2-0 game than a 3-0 game. But that's kind of our point, Yash. If you accelerate the play like that, which Athletic had no choice to do at that point, you risk other things. You, you risk the opposition coming the other way. And that's what happened. And, and all of a sudden it became 3-0. Maybe a little harsh, but overall, I, I think if the scoreline communicates to you that it was a comfortable victory, I think that's largely correct. I don't have too much more to say about the game, largely because aside from those moments, the second half was pretty straightforward for the reasons we discussed. Yash, I know you're raring to go to talk about some athletic players that I, I'm sure Issa would want to talk about as well. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, before getting into uh, some of the athletic uh, club players, I, I think I want to touch upon Weir's press resistance uh, in throughout the game. It, it's we have spoken about this, but I feel like it deserves a mention again. Like she is so so good at just receiving the ball and carrying it under pressure, be it from one player or multiple players. She is just able to turn and she has great balance when carrying the ball as well. It might not seem like she is able to physically shrug off a lot of challenges, but she is able to retain possession a lot. And that really helped us in a in in a lot of moments where we were crammed up for space on the wings. She was still able to turn and either earn a foul or just not lose the ball and carry it forward. That this line breaking ability of hers uh, in terms of ball carrying is just fantastic, and that really helped. And coupled that with how Maite is able to receive and just turn with her first touch, that really helped us break some uh, some of the pressure that Athletic were trying to apply to us in towards the end of the uh, second half or in the second half throughout. So, yeah, I mean, that that is it. But yeah, now getting into the players that I want to talk about, I feel like uh, like Athletic Clubs Academy 
or academy in the sense though the players that they bring up they are just fantastic i've been a big fan uh, of the midfielders that they uh, usually bring bring out like damaris has been there maite has been there now obuiza is really good as well she didn't play this game but she's really good as well so I, i've been a really big fan of the of their academy products so uh, in this game i think the player that really stood out was neria nevado for me because the way uh, even though like atenia caused some problems to her the way she was able to retain possession in a lot of moments where like uh, as we mentioned athletic were trying to build from the back so uh, the way that she was able to retain possession and like move it forwards while not losing it or earning a foul was really good uh, her press resistance really showed like she was good in tight spaces when uh, when surrounded by multiple players and one player like i i mean i have seen her uh, in the youth tournaments uh, recently and she really i think she's she's quite good it was her debut and it was it was her that misa fouled on when she came out to sweep that so she had a couple of opportunity as well i'm talking about alex puru who played on on the right flank she isn't a really a winger she plays uh, as a right back as isa has mentioned as well and i think she had a good game per se because she was she was offering different options to athletic like she was coming in centrally when whenever the ball was uh, out wide or there was no central presence she was able to attack that uh, as well when when they were trying to build attacks and then she did really well uh, helping out defensively uh, too so i felt like she had a really good performance too so i would like to like uh, i would like for isa to elaborate on this uh, and tell us more about these players because for me i think these two players have a really uh, high ceiling uh, moving forward okay then i will start with nerea nevado uh, she is called lilo by by her teammates so we know her as lilo that this is just uh, an anecdote uh, i i say this to say something like a fact uh, about her performance yesterday i do agree that she was uh, one of our best players in the match uh, i was really surprised because uh, she held her own really well against atenea um let's say nerea is a really good offensive left back but she's not uh, defensively she's not fast per se you know she's not a fast fullback so i was really scared for her against atenea but she she, she managed to do quite well uh, atenea beat her like one or twice only and she forced her a lot to to go inside so i felt like nerea was really good in defense which i, I thought will be uh, her her weakest spot in general but i'm really liking what what she's doing on defense uh, since since the season started she has big big shoes to fill because she's playing morafa's role morafa is probably the best um, left back defensively of spain i'm talking defensively only she i don't think there's a, a better one than morafa so those are big big shoes to fill and she's doing really good uh, really great has surprised me in that sense because i'm a really big fan of nerea nevado uh, i've seen her play in a lot of positions like left back uh, left wing uh, 
left interior or attacking midfielder in the left row. Then I seen her play right, uh, right wing as well. Uh, like, yeah, she's a very versatile and very good player. She's extremely good at beating the pressure uh, with the ball at her feet as well, either with a pass or with a dribble. She's really good at dribbling. She has a lot of technical abilities as well. And yeah, I feel like she's gonna be a really, a really big player for us in the in the present now and in in the future as well. She's also been uh, quite good for the Spanish youth team. She is actually was the she actually was the starting left back at the uh, under seventy World Cup that Spain won in two thousand and eighteen. So she's she's come she's been coming for a while and. I, She's really, really good, honestly, and I think she's only gonna get better. Then about Anne Lexpuru, uh, she's a different player in the sense that she's yes more of a right back. She actually prefers to play right wing and then right back, but she's played more right back for Athletic at least. Uh, she's a very fast player, uh, a really good crosser, and she has. Uh, a really shoot a uh, great shooting ability as well. Uh, her her shooting is really clean, and her crossing as well is quite accurate for someone that is only uh, 19. I also really like uh, El Spurus game, as I said it before. Uh, she she was quite comfortable for someone making a debut, uh, and she had also a really good chance at at the. At the start of the match, uh, that's Baba clear. I'm not sure if people have watched Spain in the U20 Under 20 World Cup that was like a, a month and a bit ago. But she was a really, a, a really key player for the team. She made played a, a great tournament. She was the leader in assist, and I also also think that she's gonna end up being a really great player for us. I also do do see her more as right wing than right back because in right back we have Ojane. Unless Ojane leaves the team, I think she's gonna get it harder to play right back than right wing right, right now. All right, fantastic! Everyone listening should now know everything about Athletic Bilbao. We will test you on the next podcast. The final thing for us to discuss really would be the. Champions League draw because we're recording this on Monday. The draw has come out, and we know who Real Madrid are going to face. We are in Group A, and uh, we are going to face Chelsea and PSG, and also Diaznia or however you pronounce it. Going to have to going to have to figure that out. Um, but they're an Albanian team, and they're obviously the one everyone is looking at. Oh, we should we should win that one. So it'll be interesting to see if that turns out to be a banana peel, but. The two teams that everyone is really focusing on, Chelsea, PSG, I say everyone, I mean Madridistas are focusing on. How are we going to fare versus those two sides? I think we can keep it fairly brief. Um, obviously, when we end up playing those games, we'll have a lot more to say uh, about what we think about that. But I'll say just for my part that I felt a lot of fear when the when I initially saw these names and I was like, oh, this sucks, right? This is not what I want. Then I thought about it for a little bit because I had to send a little audio clip for uh, London is Blue, the Chelsea podcast, 
um, who are no doubt also talking about the straw to tell them what I think about it. And so that forced me to consider a lot of things. And I would say, yeah, I mean, especially versus Chelsea going into that game, we will not be the favorites that I think that would be correct. But when you think about it, Chelsea and PSG should not be happy that they drew us either. And that gives me a little bit of confidence. I do believe we can get through this group, not just because I think we can be competitive with Chelsea, but primarily looking at PSG getting even weaker than last season. Obviously, Katoto's injured. I think there's more holes in the squad, but they're still, they're still brilliant. The, some of the talent they have in the side. I mean, Gioro hasn't gone anywhere. She's still there. They ended up signing Vika Martins. But it feels like more of an incomplete squad compared to where PSG were two years ago. Um, obviously, we saw what they did to us in the Champions League last season. I think we've progressed a lot since then. Um, but we'll have to see. It definitely won't be easy. There's every chance we go out in this group. But I don't think, having thought about it, that there's a reason to say, my God, like this, you know, this is it, right? Like, it's, it'll be a miracle if we make it through. I don't think that's the case. Yash, what are your kind of rapid fire thoughts? on the group that we're in i think we can challenge it this year because uh, i mean we still have to see the fixture list about how, the order in which we are playing but given the current state that uh, both chelsea and psg are in psg uh, drew their previous game 2-2 uh, and chelsea haven't had the best of starts and they have I mean, they have been under underwhelming in, in the champions league as well in the seasons uh, gone by uh, even though they made the final uh, just a couple of seasons back, I, I think we can definitely challenge because if this was last season, things would have been different. But uh, we do have the quality now. Uh, if if Toledi is fit uh, for these fixtures, I think we we stand a chance. We have, uh, I think we have one of the best midfields uh, in the league and across across Europe as well. I think we can compete with with the with these teams with uh, with the ball and without the ball as well and i i feel like the general spirits around the club is quite uh, good uh, at the moment the attack is clicking there are players coming back to form uh, where is just being weird uh, athenia has has been really shining we have olga who is coming into the foray again and she she's really a decisive player and for this big moment she always comes clutch so yeah, we definitely have enough firepower to uh, to cause some problems, and I wouldn't completely rule us out yet. Uh, we'll have to see how the game goes, and maybe like Chelsea just blow us away because of the individual talent that they have. But collectively, they are still figuring themselves out after uh, the sort of summer that they had. And PSG have lost a lot of key players. They don't have Katoto in their attack. Uh, in the midfield as well, they look uh, a little thin. And they have just recently uh, lost uh, Paulina Dudek as well. So uh, at centre back, so that is a big loss. I, I feel like because Dudek really, really carries that uh, defence for them. So yeah, I mean there are opportunities for us to be to exploit, and I definitely wouldn't rule us completely out of it yet. Yeah, in terms of the schedule, so we will play. Obviously, there's international break. There's the Alaves game, then there's Viaznia on October 20th, then we play Levante, then it's PSG, Sevilla, uh, Villarreal, Barca, Sporting Huelva, Chelsea, Alama, Levante, Las Planas, Chelsea, Atleti, PSG, and, and you know, Real Sociedad, and so on. So that kind of 
December stretch, Chelsea, Atleti, PSG, Real Sociedad is the absolutely brutal one. Both sides will already have information on how the other is playing. So the second match is going to be very different. And then we got to make some decisions about lineups in terms of like, how are we going to prioritize, right? Because it's going to be a competitive race once again to see who can make the Champions League spots. And we expect two of our main competitors for those spots to be Atleti and, and, and Real Sociedad. Although I think Levante have come back in a really massive way and um, maybe might be the fourth best team in the league, but that's a conversation for a different time. So yeah, it's, and, and that's also a point in time where, you know, things about good vibes and great starts, they will fade away. And the reality of how good the team in will kind of settle in by then and we'll know. So yeah, that, those are like the couple of weeks to really like look, either look out for or look forward to, depending on the type of personality that you are. But those are some, some big, big games. And um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of like PSG, like, I think the, the key thing for us is is our midfield. Our midfield genuinely is a top, top midfield in the world. Our attack is growing. I just see PSG as a side that has a lot of holes and one that we shouldn't go into overconfident at all, but one which I think we should come in with a reasonable amount of confidence, though, saying, all right, this game is there for the taking. Let's see what we got, right? And final thing I'll say about this from my side is if you want to be considered an elite team in Europe, you have to play the elite teams test yourself against them and see if you can beat them, right? And at a certain point, it doesn't matter whether they come in the group stages or so on. You're going to have to face them if you want to win the competition. So take it for what it is. And, and I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm actually excited to see how we fare versus these sides because we've done well so far this season, but I wouldn't say we've been tested to our limit yet. Isa, do you want to say anything about PSG at all? You can say, no, it's fine. I know they caused you a lot of pain over the years. But do you want to talk about how they might fare versus Real Madrid from your perspective? Okay, yeah, I I know I'm not really positive at all because right now PSG PSG is a mess, like a really big mess. No, not only the the team in on, on the pitch, but also outside the pitch, there's a lot of problems right now. They they are getting better. The the team looks more more happy, looks happier than ever. Uh, so in that sense, I think that's getting better for once. But in in the in terms of of the of the of the playing of the team, it it just is not really working at the moment at all because the new coach uh, really wants to play uh, a a possession bas bast style. But I feel like PSG don't have the players to play like that. So right now they are basic, basically relying on Diani, who is stepping up big. Honestly, she's even scoring. She, I think, she scored in the past four matches, which is something. If you know who Kadidia Diani is, this is uh, really, really surprising because she's terrible on front of goal. You know, she's a world-class player in everything. Step. In, in front of goal, and she has stepped up big time with Katoto Senior. So I really think that right now Real Madrid is closer to PSG than ever. And as someone who supports PSG women, I, I think we are fucked because I, I don't really <laughs> I, I, I don't really see see the the defense and the well keeping 
being good enough to 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 win against Real Madrid, honestly. Right now the defense is a fucking mess. Like Paulina Dude got injured, she tore her ACL and it's even worse. It was worse, it was bad with her. That's our best defender. So without her it's even worse. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm really positive. I feel like PSG have the individual quality to beat Real Madrid, yes, I do think that. But as a team, I don't I don't really see it, honestly. So I think that is everything that Madridistas wanted to hear. How do you feel that Lika Martins has been settling in? I actually liked Martins. The, I've seen two matches of PSG. The rest, I couldn't find a way to watch them because you had but I'm really liking Martens, honestly. I think she brings something in front of goal that uh, without Katoto we are lacking. So I feel like she could step up big on the Champions League for PSG. I'm also liking quite a bit the midfield, uh, Oriane Jean-Francois, uh, the signing. I, I'm actually quite pleased with her. Uh, she's doing quite good, but I, honestly, I don't think PSG's midfield right now is better than Real Madrid because it's not even, you know, uh, 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 the midfield is not set up like sometimes uh, since they signed Ronen, she's playing, but before Ronen, it was uh, the Almeida, then Cascarino. Uh, yeah, it is not really the 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 midfield is kind of messy in the sense that you don't know which players are gonna play in it. You know, uh, you have for sure that Gejero and Grenin are gonna play, but the other one you don't know who is, who is gonna be because sometimes it's Jean Francois, sometimes it's Faser, sometimes it's the Almeida. So kind of a mess. PSG are like playing in the league. Like it was a precision, you know, like some, right now they are kind of in precision, but during the season. So, yeah. Interesting. It's quite amazing how much PSG have fallen in terms of their squad construction and quality from two years ago, where they had Endler, where they took the league off Leon, where they pushed Barca to the limit in the season that they won the Champions League. It, it says a lot about how far you can fall now, never to take where you are for, for granted, but also about all of the off-field things as well that PSG have had to deal with that we don't have time to get into right now. All right, anything else we want to say at all on this podcast? Final chance, Josh. No, I think we have covered everything, including the draws as well. And thank you to Isa for coming and providing us these valuable insights on both Athletic Club and PSG. So, yeah, thank you for coming. Huge, huge props to Isa for, for coming on already made this the best podcast ever how nice is it listeners to have someone else to listen to to break the monotony of uh yash and i just going on and on about things no one cares about in terms of like these nuances oh here we have another note oh here we have another note so yeah it was great Uh, i hope that we gave isa her fair chance to speak and, and held back on our worst instincts in terms of talking a lot and and you guys enjoyed this listen we will try to do more of this. It's not that easy. Just keep in mind from our end, we, we are very short for time and, and we're scheduling across time zones as well. But I think this worked quite well. And we'll see if we can do a couple more of these before the season ends. All right, that's it from our end. 
we won't sign off with Ala Madrid this time because Isa is there, but I hope you all are doing well. We'll, we'll see you next time.